Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Educator Essentials, the podcast where we talk with our members about tricks and strategies to aid faculty, preceptors, and those involved in the education of the pharmacy workforce. My name is Dr. Edward Saito, and I'm an associate professor with Pacific University School of Pharmacy in Hillsborough, Oregon, and I practice at Virginia Garcia Memorial Health Center. Today, we will be chatting with Yvette Grandel-Holman, a clinical pharmacist in population health services at Legacy Health in Portland, Oregon, Charlie Boudreau, an ambulatory care clinical pharmacist at the University of Kentucky, and Skylar Sichowski, a PGY-1 pharmacy resident at Children's Hospital in Colorado. Thank you for joining us today, Yvette, Charlie, and Skylar. Now let's get started by talking about today's topic, instituting a remote layered learning model, easy as cake. Now here we are almost a year, over a year into the pandemic, and we have experienced a lot of changes to our practice, none the least of which is trying to figure out how to precept multiple learners in a remote environment often where we can't physically be together in the same place. So my understanding is that you all early on in the pandemic had an opportunity to reinvent how you do your precepting and to create a layered learning model that was entirely remote. And so my first question for you is this, what were the circumstances that led to the creation of the ambulatory care learning model? So, One of my core rotations for block eight was ambulatory care. And due to COVID restrictions, it was actually canceled. Uh, So my block seven preceptor, his name is Blake Larson. He reached out to Yvette to see if we could set up some type of rotation so that I could actually complete all of my required coursework. After we kind of figured out what the options were, I was told that I can do this different type of style of learning of this remote ambulatory care rotation, or I can take like a didactic class with some of my other classmates. Yes, this is Charlie. In terms of the PGY2 resident perspective, Skylar explained kind of his background for getting started on the rotation. This was a scheduled block for me with Yvette as one of my PGY2 rotations, the population health rotation. It was already a remote-based telephonic experience to begin with. I'd already have some previous previous experience with precepting. So it kind of all came together fairly last minute because some of this was a little bit of uh, planning for all these uh, changes that COVID caused, unfortunately. So I didn't hear about it until fairly shortly before the rotation that I'd have a student, but I thought it would be a great experience to have the opportunity to have a student, especially in this unique setting that was remote versus having a student in-person rotation, which which I'd had before. So I thought it would be a pretty unique opportunity and I was really excited to take part in it. And so for both you, Charlie and Skylar, was this the first time that you had encountered being precepted or precepting in this manner? Yes, definitely the first time for me. Like, as I mentioned, I had precepted a few students um, in person, of course, so kind of the traditional inpatient or AMCARE rotations, but this was definitely my first experience with a student uh, working 
pretty much entirely remotely. I think it was a little bit lucky in that I'd met Skylar previously because we won't, both went to the same pharmacy school, so I had met him already. So we we already had that relationship. But in terms of the rotation, it was purely remote. So I think it was really, really interesting. And I think it turned out really well overall. Yeah, I think for me, it would essentially be the same just from the student perspective in that I had been precepted by residents before. However, it had never actually been in a completely remote setting. And for you, Yvette, as the system API coordinator, can you just explain a little bit more about your practice site and how you got involved in this non-traditional model? Yeah, so interestingly, my practice site has been remote-based since 2017 when I started with the population health team at Legacy, so much before COVID. And I had precepted residents prior, but I'd never precepted a student remotely before. So I honestly didn't think that this was an ideal practice site for a student and never pursued it, thinking that a resident having some more advanced training would be able to take on some of the challenges of a remote site. But now that so many people have practice sites that are remote-based because of COVID, I think it is something that we need to explore further in order to keep allowing students to have rotations available to them. And this is going to be real-world stuff moving forward. So I think overall, it worked out great. I think we were just on the, f- uh, the forefront of making this change happen. And hopefully, it will open up in the future for more learners in that regard. And since this was, you know, a new model for you all, I'm sure the logistics were also something that was new that you had to figure out. And so I'm wondering, how did you go about coordinating getting all of you, the the three of you on the phone call together with the patients? Did you use any particular technology like Doximity Dialer or Doxy.me or some type of EHR-based Zoom video conferencing system. I know that the ASHP membership is is really interested in hearing more about ways that practitioners have been able to figure out the logistics of getting that all to, to work. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you coordinated that? Yeah. So my practice site for telephonic care is pretty low tech. It's a cell phone. I use a, just a plain old iPhone. So the way that we did this is that we, the three of us would get together and well, first I would have the students work up the patient independently. So they would both go through the whole patient's chart and come up with their own assessments. Before the patient appointment, we would spend significant time debriefing the patient and talking about what all the drug-related problems were for that particular patient. And then once we had a plan in place, and we would often talk about multiple plans for the patient, depending on how the appointment went and what feedback we got from the patient, we might have plan A, B, and C, depending on the the path that the call went. So we we divided up into uh, roles so that I was usually the moderator of the call. And that was mostly because I have the rapport with the patient and I was able to get on the phone and say, is it okay that the learners are going to be here with me. So I would work in that moderator role. And then the two learners would then divvy up different aspects of the care that we wanted to highlight that day. So for instance, Skylar might take hypertension and go through a comprehensive review of that with the patient. And then he would then bridge to Charlie, who might be covering the patient's diabetes that day. So, and then Charlie would 
at the end of the call, bridge back to me and we would know what the plan was ahead of time because we've already talked about multiple plans that we could have incorporated for this patient. And we would all come together to put that plan in place for the patient and make arrangements for the next follow-up call. So my way of doing this, Eddie, is pretty low-tech. Like I said, it's a cell phone. Since you're in academia, what kind of things have you seen that have been used that are HIPAA-compliant methods of communicating with patients in a remote world? Well, we know that at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of waivers of different technologies, and and uh, you know we were given guidance in terms of what was required in terms of being HIPAA compliant, and that we were able to use platforms that were not expressly HIPAA compliant. But you know, as we've gone through the pandemic, we've, we've really tried to focus on those platforms that are HIPAA compliant or as, as compliant as we can, can have them. And so for us specifically, we started out using the Doximity dialer app, and this allowed for both telephone calls, coordinating three-way telephone calls with different learners and the patient. We can also do video calls, though three-way calling, video calling is still difficult. So this was primarily through just telephone-based communication. And interestingly, we were able to also bring in a translator service via telephone. So for many of our patients who don't speak English as a primary language, we would first call out to the translator service and then add in our student or resident, and then the translator service would dial out to the patient. And so that's the way that we were able to get everyone together on on the call. Uh, More recently, our EHR has incorporated Zoom uh, and embedded it directly into the chart. And so we are able to send a text alert or an email alert to the patient so that they can join a secured Zoom session. And, uh, and that's the way that we're able to do video conferencing from the clinic. But another way that we've been able to include students remotely, in addition to the Doximity dialer, is just by having sharing um, our, our screen with the student specifically through Zoom, ensuring that we're all on a, on a secured network so that we can both show visually what we're doing and how we're documenting in the chart while we're also together on the phone call, trying to replicate what we would normally be doing in an in-person clinic setting. So I'd like to turn it back over to Charlie. And uh, my next question for you is, what do you feel went well for the learners in this type of a model? Yeah, I think I think a lot of things went really well. I, I think at the outside, we were all a little bit well, at least I was, I was a little bit unsure of what to expect. I know Yvette has a lot of experience with this remote model of precepting residents. Um, and I think having a student like Skylar, who was really driven and was far along in his appy experiences really helped. But I was a little bit unsure of what to expect to a certain extent. But I think it actually, it turned out really well. It was really similar to, I would think, an in-person ambulatory care rotation in that we would discuss the patients prior to seeing them. It was over the phone instead of in person, but we'd still have that same discussion. We'd figure out our plans and and it almost would be like virtually Skylar would go into the room with the patient. We'd be in the background. I mean, we'd still be there kind of listening, 
And he'd, you know, present his plan to the patient after providing the interview and taking into account all those different patient factors. And we'd come together and decide on a plan. So I think that worked, actually worked very well. Um, I think it, it, it bared a lot of uh, similarities to an in-person practice model where instead of saying, oh, I'll go out and talk to my preceptor and then we'll come back and we'll give you a plan for the day. Instead, we can just say, Yvette, what do you think of this plan? Or Charlie, what do you think of this plan? And we can all collaborate together to the patient's benefit and, and really decide on a, on a really holistic care plan for the patient. So I think that worked very well. And I think transitioning back even more so to some of these changes in our practice models with COVID, I think it was actually a, a really great experience to get more exposure to this more remote way of providing care to patients. Um, I know in my own practice, I provide a lot of uh, counseling and I provide a lot of services to patients over the phone and sometimes via video chat just because of COVID restrictions. So I think it, it was it was a nice intro to that in that we were able to get some more experience in that, um, both for myself as well as for Skylar. So I think it worked very well. And Skylar, as the student at the time in this model, what did you see were some of the limitations? Yeah, so I think in general, just in moving from an in-person format to being virtual, one of the main differences is obviously it's not in person. And so it was really difficult to kind of perform physical assessments because I wasn't able to actually see the patient. And I think this also led into kind of not being able to see those nonverbal cues from a patient to be able to assess what they're thinking based off of our conversation. Other than that, I think one of the main differences from in-person and virtual would be different epic access issues. So I may be seeing things as a student that the pharmacist can't see or vice versa. And it's, it's really difficult to be able to see how they work up a patient. So I was thankful that this was my eighth rotation and I had had seven rotations to learn how to work up patients and where to look at an epic since my other rotations were at Legacy. So I think just in general, it, it's the not in-person aspect. However, I think one of the positive takeaways from this is that it wasn't in-person. That kind of enabled me to develop problem-solving skills and troubleshooting skills that I wouldn't have if I was in-person. And a lot of these appointments are essentially going to be moving to telemedicine or even telehealth for the near future. We don't really know what that looks like in the distant future, but I think that it does set you up for success in figuring out all of these troubleshooting issues and problems so that when I see it down the line, I'm more prepared. Yeah, you bring up a good point that, you know, we're over a year into this pandemic and what we initially thought would just be a short period of time that we had to figure out how to transition to telephone-based services really is becoming the norm and likely to continue long-term because we've seen so many benefits across across patient care. And so thinking about that and thinking into the future, my question for all of you is, how do you think that schools of pharmacy can better prepare our graduates to enter a field that they'll be doing a lot more telephone and telemedicine-based uh, care in the future? So Charlie and I actually both went to Pacific University School of Pharmacy located in Hillsboro, Oregon, which is where Dr. Saito teaches. And I think what I've seen in my specific years, we kind of transitioned more towards like 
preparing for residency interviews. And in doing so, we actually transitioned to a video format where we were practicing our interview skills over recorded questions. And so I think being able to do that and get feedback from some of the deans and some of the other pharmacists and other professors that we worked with was very helpful in figuring out how to communicate in a virtual method. I think it also helped set me up to kind of troubleshoot while I was on rotation and really be able to figure out the ins and outs of how to be an effective communicator over the telephone with patients. Yes, I would agree with Skylar. There's a lot of a lot of valuable skills that you could pick up um, practicing all of these uh, telemedicine skills. So I would say in school, I did not have, we did not have as much telephone-based experiences. There were some video experiences where we'd review a patient case and be able to look back our, at our recorded interviews and look at our verbal and nonverbal cues and get feedback in that sense. But I think especially now in the situation um, we're currently you know, still experiencing with COVID, I think it would be especially helpful to provide some kind of uh, telephone-based experiences to students, be that kind of like what we were doing in our rotation with working up a patient and providing a patient interview and figuring out a plan um, for the patient, I think that would be pretty helpful to prepare students for. And in addition to that, I'm not sure what things are going to look like next year, but I know a lot of my colleagues who are currently applying and interviewing for residencies, for example, all of those interviews are now virtual. I I don't know of any programs who are completing in-person interviews due to the COVID pandemic. So I think having some experience even with video and telephone-based interviewing would be beneficial for students to learn during school. I didn't have any of those interviews. I, I, I didn't have any um, real virtual interviews during my time in school, but even applying and interviewing for my current position at University of Kentucky, my interviewing and application process, all of that was all virtual. I didn't have any in-person interviews. It was all Zoom-based or telephone-based. So I think there's two avenues that could be pursued. So the patient interviews over the phone, and then also preparing for just interviews with residency programs or future jobs. I think that would be helpful too. Yeah, and I think this is something that's here to stay. I think that, you know, in my own personal practice, I've been doing it this way since 2017. And I also think that patients really like being able to have the option to stay at home rather than find transportation and come into an office for every visit. For me, it's also allowed me to have a higher touch level with my patients because I can easily call them once a week and check up on their glucose or their blood pressure. Whereas if they were needing to see me in the traditional way, that would mean a trip to the office. And nobody wants to do that on a weekly basis. So I think that this is something that's going to continue to grow. I do think that having students educated through the schools of pharmacy is a good thing for the reasons that Skylar and Charlie just mentioned. In addition, I think that honing in on skills around motivational interviewing is something that will become more important in the future as we grow our remote-based work also. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank Yvette, Charlie, and Skylar for joining us today to discuss instituting a remote-layered learning model, easy as cake. To our listeners, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's educator resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Connect community. Thank you again for tuning in for this session of Educator Essentials, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. 
Be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.